Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. We got a big show. We do. We're we have b- a lot to pack in today. We're ambitious. I think could be safe, hopefully uh, not courageous. Um, we thought that it would be a very, very good idea to touch base with Danny Vallant, who has her finger on the pulses to, well, what's been going on with uh, looking after temporary visa holders, uh, what's been happening with the industry in general. So we're going to check in with her. Ian Ling, the publican, the patron of the uh, of the Hotel Lincoln, a hotel that you said you have been to, have you not? I certainly have. I, uh, oh, maybe five, six years ago, I used to work at a fellow community radio station, Sin. Across the road. Yeah, on Cardigan Street. On Cardigan Street. So I used to frequent uh, that fine establishment on a Friday night. You're going to have to go back there and have some food. Um, but Ian has been uh, – well, there's a, a directive that they have done with a few people, Jason Chan from uh, Hats and Tats South Melbourne, Ends and Means, uh, the COVID-19 EAD, Employment Assistance Directive. So we're going to have a, a quick chat about that after Danny. And then something amazing is going to be happening on Monday. It's the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival but not as we know it. Mm, to, do tell me more. Well, it's it's online. Um, that's pretty much it. It's, uh, well, we can't go out to, to the festival. So the great thing is the festival is coming Comes to, to us. us. So Pat Nurse is the, uh, the creative. Um, he's part of the crew there that has put all this together. We're going to have a chat to him. And we're going to find out what we can expect, what we can join in on. And uh, there's a few little brain-snapping bargains to be had during festival. Um, and uh, just to finish that off, before I go back to Pat, is uh, after that I think we're going to need a bit of a drink. Ooh. Well, Are you going to make me a martini? No, we can't do that. And this is, we were talking about, this is one of the things I really, really miss about this lockdown is that I miss guests and I miss people coming in towards the end of the show. Not that I have anything about the people in the front of the show, but the ones at the end usually give us booze in our glasses and our cups. Kent is laughing his head off over there. Yeah, bring back the booze. So anyway, we look forward to that. But we do have the next best thing. Scott McKinnon. Uh, from Wolf in the Willows Brewery, a fine brewery that is relocated to Morty Alec in De Havilland Street, I think, if my memory serves me right. Um, we're going to talk about beer, uh, what he's been doing, and also cooking. With, cooking with beer. With beer, mm. yes. Um, so uh, there you go. That's uh, the show for today. We may as well get in on it. Um, Danny is ready on line one. Before we do get to Danny, um, I must say that uh, in what has been reported as a stunning disclosure, the federal government has reported that the $130 billion JobKeeper wage subsidy scheme announced on the 30th of March by Prime Minister Scott Morrison and Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has run into a little accounting problem. The figures are out by a lot, um, by about $60 million dollars 
Um, the great news is that uh, Josh Frydenberg faced the media today and has been quoted as saying, we as the government deeply regret this error that has been made on the formulation of the JobKeeper scheme. Uh, because more resources are now available, we are happy to announce that temporary visa card holders, casual workers, staff in the university sector and the national arts sector and creatives will now be able to participate in JobKeeper. I'm just kidding. He hasn't said any of that at all. And uh, But there are a few people who are advocating for a position such as that, and uh, that brings us to fabulous freelance writer Danny Valant, and an eater too, I suppose we must say too. Danny. Hi, Cam. Good afternoon. Hi. That was a bit of an April Fool's that you just pulled on us there. Wouldn't that be great if you were able to announce that on Triple R Eat It? I always like to say it's more alternative universe, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. So as you as you flagged, um, on Friday, the Treasury and the ATO made a joint announcement uh, stating <laughs> that the $130 billion that they budgeted for JobKeeper uh, was being revised down to $70 billion, um, leaving, leaving a $60 billion funding gap. And when I heard that, I immediately thought that the line that the Treasurer had drawn could now be extended to include a whole bunch of other people, um, and definitely yeah, including temporary visa holders who are so crucial to the hospitality industry and, yeah, getting food on our plates all around Australia. And that has been the actual quote where the uh, the government has actually said, and Josh Frydenberg quoted as saying, this is the line in the sand, but suddenly the line has been erased. Yeah, well, the line, I don't know, <laughs> I guess you can say the line's been moved, it's been redrawn, yeah, um, we can, we can stay here. in a different area of our colouring book. But it definitely feels to me that there's room, uh, you know, there was this much budgeted uh, and it feels like, well, if we haven't spent it, um, then let's spend a bit more and look after some more people in our community. And, I mean, the stated aims of JobKeeper were to um, keep a connection between employers and employees and also to flush money through the economy so that, you know, there's more money out there flowing um, from industry to industry. And I feel that expanding the program to more people um, and especially temporary visa holders who are not able to access any of the social security payments or any other benefits uh, would be a pretty good use of that money. Because it isn't an either-or situation. There are other people that can go to Job Seeker, which... Luckily, or um, not luckily, uh, has been doubled, which is um, a, a really, really, really good thing. But temporary visa card holders get nothing, no support. Yeah, um, look, or I mean, anything. Look, there are lots of people that would be great to expand JobKeeper to, and that includes casuals who are employed for less than 12 months. Um, and look, lots of people. Uh, so, but the ones I suppose that I'm focusing on, especially with with an eye on the hospitality industry, is those temporary visa holders who are so crucial to the running of restaurants and cafes. They're crucial to the vibrance and the vibrancy and the diversity of the restaurant industry that we're all so proud of. Um, and it's, especially for those who are on um, sponsored visas, so they're they've been brought here because their employer has been able to demonstrate a need for those particular skills that that person offers. Those people aren't allowed to seek work elsewhere. They have to be uh, employed by the person that brought them out here or sponsored them um, in the position and for the pay that they were sponsored. So, for example, you know, the way this might roll out is there's a, there's a pastry chef who was stood down from Rockpool. He's a sponsored worker. Attica wanted to employ him. Yep. They couldn't. 
but he's sitting at home waiting for things to turn around with no possibility, uh, with no income and no possibility to, do, you know, to do anything, to go and pick bananas or sanitise tram stops or, you know, stack supermarket shelves. They're just stuck in, in visa, like visa hostages is how, how it, makes, it seems to me. Yeah, visa limbo, a Kafkaesque kind of nightmare. It does seem a bit Kafkaesque, doesn't it, in a way? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it doesn't, it's not... It's not the Australia that, that I want to live in. Uh, I feel like we've, we should be looking after everybody that's here. So what do you reckon is going to happen, though, Danny? I mean, the, the, the government have found all this money at the back of the couch. Huge couch, it must be. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think is going to happen and what are your uh, thoughts? Oh, look, I, I'm an optimist and I'm not, um, I'm not an insider in those, in, that, in those meetings at Treasury. And, mm. and um, so but I... Uh, I feel that they're going to expand it. I think they're going to expand it in scope and also in length. Uh, so some of the industries that are most hard hit by coronavirus um, and the economic fallout, uh, the hospitality, tourism, the arts. Um, I think, I mean, yeah, that arts is a whole other can of worms. But if we if we restrict it to let's say hospitality and and tourism and travel, I do believe that um, JobKeeper will be extended in time, like probably through till summer. Um, it's 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 like to end at the end of September, so I think yeah. it'll be extended. But I, I feel like this is a great opportunity to uh, protect the industry to ensure it can come out the other side um, with a little bit more verve, um, more skills. Uh, so I uh, I'll put my optimistic hat on and say that the Treasury is going to expand. It's to include temporary visa holders. The yes. program has, has always been up for review in June, so I think people will be, you know, putting their um, policy wonk hats on and um, working it out, and I reckon they're going to find that it's a, just a, a very fine idea to look after some more people. There's, there's a lot of hats going on here, aren't there? And, and also, what about uh, the, uh, if we're talking about hats, the uh, ideological as opposed to the pecuniary hats that might have to be changed? Well, look, I think the government's shown that it's um, it's been quite surprisingly adaptable in terms of ideology. I mean, if you told yeah. me at the start of the year that the government was going to um, flip and uh, basically, you know, embrace elements of socialism and pay uh, the wages of people in private enterprise, then, you know, that would have been a pretty surprising thing to suggest. And I don't think if you'd... If you'd if you'd um, been, been in a chat with Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer, and, and suggested that, he probably would have, you know, had his coffee out um, yes. because it just would be like an absolutely like preposterous situation. So I guess, um, you know, uh, I think the government, we've got to give the government credit uh, in some cases like that, certainly uh, together, you know, the premiers and, and the federal government uh, have got together and really looked after our health as a nation. And they've certainly done some really good things in terms of economic uh, policy. Uh, but they, I don't think that they've had a complete ideological shift. I no. think we're already starting to see signs of, um, you know, their true stripes. Um, but I believe that there is definitely room for compassion. And, uh, it, and also, you know, it makes sense to look after the workers that we need in our vital industries, such as hospitality, um, to ensure the, the, um, the success of, and the viability of those industries as we climb out of this mess. And one other thing, Danny, if I can just add, and we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, is the notion of soft power that uh, countries have. And uh, if we treat these people very, very badly and just throw them out of the country, we do this you know, country a disservice. Yeah. 
like Australia's reputation yep. um, overseas, you know, we, we definitely need to protect that. And I mean, I think back to some of the soft diplomacy that, you know, this isn't widely known, but when there was all the, um, there was a lot of bad news about how Indian taxi drivers were being treated oh, in yeah. Australia. Yes, and yes. Um, so the then hosts of MasterChef were, um, were taken over to India where the show is incredibly popular and as part of some very gentle, strategic soft power, mm-hmm. were, you know, helped to rebuild that relationship. So, you know, there's all kinds of um, strategic, clever um, subtle ways of, um, you know, enhancing and protecting the reputation of a country or a community and looking after people who are here now, feeding us, washing our dishes, um, you know, managing our restaurants is certainly a way to protect and enhance our reputation. Agreed. Daniel Andrews will have a very, very important press conference tomorrow regarding the re-emergence of the restaurant hospitality sector. What are, yeah. you, what are you going to be looking for? So I'll just preface that by saying that he came out this morning with some announcements and one of the ones that's going to be welcomed by regional restaurants is that overnight stays are going to be allowed in Victoria from June 1. So that is fantastic news for country restaurants. Um, I'm thinking of places like Providence in Beechworth that um, have got accommodation attached and will now be able to plan to reopen for, for people who are, that are travelling to the restaurant from elsewhere in Victoria. So that's really, really good news. Um, so we learned last week that restaurants um, will be reopening from June 1 in Victoria for up to 20 seated patrons per enclosed space. Tomorrow we're going to have some more clarity on what the actual rules and regulations will be around that and then people will have a week to scramble to interpret them and to apply them and to, to make whatever physical changes are needed to their premises and whatever kind of training is needed. Mm. So we're definitely waiting for the Premier to talk about that. Um, yeah, so there's a few things that I'll be particularly waiting to hear. Of those, two of them are about definition. So there's one definition, which is that we're allowed to have 20 seated patrons per enclosed space. Yep. It's not entirely clear what the rules are around that enclosed space. It's based actually on a definition that's in the Tobacco Act. So it's that a, place, a space needs being closed, the space needs to have um, four walls and a roof. The roof doesn't necessarily need to be um, permanent um, mm-hmm. and we don't know if the walls need to go all the way to the ceiling. So would partitions be um, acceptable in terms of creating an enclosed space? It's that kind of clarity that we'll be looking for tomorrow. The other one that I think is going to be <laughs> maybe, I don't know, open to a lot of interpretation and confusion uh, is the idea of a genuine meal. So you're only allowed to serve alcohol with a genuine meal, and that's how it's defined. But I think we'll be looking for a bit of clarity about that. So, I don't know, what do you reckon is a genuine meal, Cam? Like, well, is cheese and charcuterie a genuine meal? Is how many tacos make up a genuine meal? Pack of Twisties dumplings? probably doesn't make it, does it? Twisties, I reckon, beer, probably Beer don't, nuts? But... A bowl of beer yeah. nuts? <laughs> I don't know. Like, how many nuts? If you put, if you had twenty seven plate, that's not a meal. Yeah, it's twenty seven nuts. <laughs> yes. Is that what makes it genuine? Yeah, so, oh, twenty six. Sorry, that that doesn't count. How here's another one. How uh, menus? Are we, are we going to hand out menus to people? Uh, we don't have rules on that. No, um, but, but that's, I mean, that's something to think about. I think definitely we're not going to be like handing paper menus from one diner to, to, to the one that, that follows uh, him or her. That's, so that's got to change. Will be, 
Yeah, so there'll be laminated menus that people will be able to sanitise between customers. Mm. There'll be a lot of online menus. So there's apps like Mr Yum, for example, that were already in this space where you can um, use a QR code to download a menu to your phone. I think we're going to see a lot more of that, a lot more ordering by phone, a lot more paying by phone. There's also a requirement for um, to take customer uh, contact details. So venues are required right. that's to a, that's another contact one. details. Yeah, first name and phone number of every customer. Yeah. Uh, that's, for, that's to assist in contact tracing. And how's that um, going to work? That's, that's another one. You know, do you do use a QR code? Are you doing an app, or are you going to go? Obviously, not a pencil and a piece of paper. Yeah, well, people are very enterprising. So I've had uh, three or four people contact me to say that they found the, te- the technological solution to this problem. So there's going to be a lot of people in this space um, with various forms of technology um, that will allow people to take customer details. The interesting thing, perhaps for diners to be aware of as this rolls out, it's such a new, such a new playing field. Like people, cafes and restaurants, you know, totally understandably are going to be wanting to use this information for marketing. And of you know, why wouldn't they? Mm. But I think that's going to be really interesting in this space as people are asked to give over personal data. Of course, we want to know what that data is going to be used for. So that's, I don't know, interesting. Some restaurants are doing temperature scans on entry. Um, La Camera at Southgate is the first one I've, I've seen that's installed. Temperature scanner. So, I mean, it's not going to be normal, let's just say that. No, we, we've got a long way to sort of reeling back the society to be normal, but... The great news is we're starting to uh, take some steps. Um, We've only got a couple, well, really sort of seconds left. Um, Oh, um, one thing I wanted to mention, you've been doing work with Attica, um, with Ben. Uh, One thing that's come out of this is that Ben's a really great comedian. Like some of the posts that he's done, there's one where the – what was the cake challenge that he did in these – Pouring uh, champagne down his throat on this crazy trophy of a DeLorean on a baking powder can. Yeah, look, I can't. Um, That's bloody so that awesome. Was the, um, cake box folding world championship. So That's I guess it. Because they're selling cakes as part of Attica's takeaway business. Um, people in there are folding a lot of cake boxes. So then, um, yeah, launched the international cake. Cake box folding world championships. Or I don't know. I don't know what the name was. Oh, so there is. And yeah, ce- celebrated it the Grand Prix style with some uh, foaming bottle of, of champagne. Check out, um, check out Instagram, folks. Sorry, we should probably just um, uh, relay that. But the serious thing, and I just we'll probably finish up on this, um, is the fact that we've talked about temporary visa holders. We've talked about the people who've been left behind, and you guys have been feeding them. And you said that the numbers have been increasing. Is that correct? Yeah, it's been really, I don't know, like, we, we do, so we're doing a soup project every Thursday. We make soup on Wednesdays. We give it out on Thursdays to temporary visa holders who've lost their hospital jobs. Um, each week, it's, we've done it, I think, for a month now, and it's built each week, which I guess is good because we want people to get it if they need it. But, of course, it's a very bittersweet because you don't want people to need it. But, um, yeah, we've had... People from, you know, front of house, back of house, from, you know, all kinds of different countries and um, with different stories um, come to get soup and groceries from us. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I cry every week um, because you just don't want people to be in this situation and you want to just be able to fix fix it. So, yeah, it's, it's about um, helping people. It's also about raising awareness um, 
and I wish we didn't have to do it, but given that we do, we're making some pretty tasty soups and uh, we're getting taking donations. Yeah. If anyone wants to donate, they can go to the Attica website and click through and find out where to send grocery vouchers. We're Good. buying groceries and, and handing those out as well. And we should mention again this tip jar that you can do to uh, to help people out. And uh, and who knows? As we uh, as we said before, as uh, Josh Frydenberg said that. Uh, well, no, he didn't really say that, but we can only hope that uh, the government's attitude softens towards a lot of people who have been left behind. Let's hope so, Cam. Danny Valant, thank you as always. Thank you for having me. Ah. Good to hearing the rest of the show. Yeah, well, we better get a move on. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to get a move on. We're going to have a chat to Ian Ling from the Lincoln very soon. Thanks again, Danny. We are speaking to Ian Ling from the Lincoln Hotel. A very, very good afternoon to you, buddy. Hello, mate. How are you? Oh, better for hearing your voice. We just thought we'd touch base with you uh, quickly. You've had a listen to what uh, uh, the redoubtable Danny Vallant has been talking about and uh, you guys there at uh, the Lincoln Hotel, as well as others, have uh, been starting your own initiative, correct? Yeah, we uh, we we started trying to just feed our, feed the guys that we knew that were struggling to to make ends meet. So much of our uh, industry um, really do live hand to mouth each week, and to close us down so quickly, we knew there'd be a few hungry mouths out there, which um, kind of snowballed quite quickly, really. Right. And so, um, yeah. so uh, this thing, uh, close one. Where, where, where is my? The COVID-19 EAD, the Employment Assistance Directive, is yeah. uh, what you've called this. Sounds yeah. sounds very, very serious. Well, yeah, well, it is serious. Sorry, I'm being flippant yeah, as I'm sort of well, thinking it about it. It was a little play on words. Um, yeah. It was a little play on words, and, and the EAD was can, can be construed one of two ways. I'll leave it to your imagination. Thank you. Thank um, you. But, yeah, uh, we've gone from kind of cooking for 100 people a week uh, eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago now, uh, and we're sending, uh, we're averaging a thousand meals a week. So I think two, almost two thousand went out on Friday this week um, through a network of twenty-ish um, volunteers who um, all get kind of come to uh, a central point. They're all uh, temp checked and their cars are loaded up and they're given detailed maps of where they're going. And we've got all our health kind of measures in place, um, which we, we, we kind of all put together on the fly. That's um, amazing what you've done. interesting journey. Yeah, yeah. What have we got? You've delivered 6,000 meals, and uh, I'm reading the, the sheet you've sent me in six weeks. Um, 50 volunteers, 800-plus registrations, a north and south delivery network, 500 kilometres a week for deliveries, and a GoFundMe page, and that's probably what maybe we can direct people to that they can help out on this. GoFundMe page, uh, currently, this might have been a few days ago, 37K. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. It's, uh, and the amount of people who are just, just, just giving $10, $15, and even, like, there's been some really big donations as well, which has been phenomenal, but a lot of people are just donating every week, like, very regularly, and that really makes a difference for us. We've uh, we've had so many generous offers as well on top. I mean, Corfield Racecourse gave us some freezer space. Um, oh, that was the VRC money, was it? 
No, no, no. They, they just let us store our food there because oh, okay. uh, we're, we're using the food banks at Fair Share and at Oz Harvest. Yes. So we get given a random assortment of, of food donations and we kind of use the money that we've got to buy things to accompany what we get donated in the food. Mm-hmm. So we also need places to store that. So uh, Caulfield gave us the fridges and freezers. Um, so we've got pallets of food out there that's are prepped and unprepped. Wow. Um, We've got we've been given vans to drive those things around, the deliveries around um, from uh, that Arrington guy. Um, with the, with uh, the big group gave us their kitchen in Richmond um, on the uh, pretext that we could get insurance, and then we asked somebody about the insurance, and he said that the um, insurance company would would pay for our insurance for the big group kitchen, um, and it's just had this wonderful knock on effect. And, and we've met we've actually met a lot of people through. People just wanted to do some good uh, with with their downtime as well. Done. Hey, so it, we should acknowledge the kitchens that are being used here at the moment. Hats and Tats, the Lincoln Hotel. Lover. Uh, lover, yeah. Rice uh, paper. Yeah, rice paper scissors, the uh, the Lincoln again. <laughs> the big group ends and means. Um, but before we let you go, um, it's got to be acknowledged that uh, – the Lincoln Hotel in, in Cardigan Street has a long, long history, and we were trying to work yeah, out. Yeah, years, yes. Yeah, the first time it's been closed in 165 years. That's We, we think so. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a regular who can tell me wrong, but... I remember the day when it closed. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, what is the name of that GoFundMe page? How do we look that up if um, people want to go uh, through them? Covid nineteen uh, EAD. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Okay. You can find us through the Ends and Means uh, website as well. Um, we're out there. You can you can find us. If not, you can just call me. I'm pretty sure most people have got my phone number. It never stops ringing at the moment. It's oh good. really? <laughs> Yeah. Should we give it on air? No, we won't do that. Uh, <laughs> don't you be doing that. And uh, in just 30 seconds or so, uh, what have you been eating while uh, all this sort of stuff has been going down? Are you uh, are you one of these ones making um, uh, sourdough bread? No, I've got, I've got two kids, mate. There's no chance of me keeping a sad thing alive. All right. Um, <laughs> um, no, we've just been uh, enjoying family time. Uh, meals are, are still... Um, a priority around here. Um, we go through quite a bit of it. We've had lasagnas. We've had Movita eat at home. We've had Leho fuck at home. We've had Gossies at home. We've been pretty lucky. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 more of the same. We're looking forward to going back to school on Tuesday um, just so we can see our friends and, 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 and get some structure back into the educational process. You're going to go hallelujah and pass me that martini. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Ian, congratulations on what you've been doing. We just thought we'd um, uh, put you to air and just uh, let people know as to the people who give a damn, and uh, you're one of them. Thank you very, very much for um, all you've been doing, and good on you. Awesome, Cameron. I look forward to welcoming you back to the pub for a oh, God, wait. meal and a beer and a martini soon. Oh, stop it. I'm going to start weeping. Um, Ian, thanks, buddy. Um, Pat Nurse. Yeah! 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 What's you doing? Get you, some. you got some trousers on or what, man? Was that the spirit of uh, Little Richard, may he rest in peace? Yeah! Passing through you as he's making his way to oh. Great Hereafter. God, did you ever realize Tutti Fruity, man? Woof! 
What yeah. a guy. Yeah, wow. I, I, this is completely off topic, but I remember, I think I, I think it was little Richard, I remember reading that he mm. was, uh, you know, savouring the fruits of love with a fan. Tootie Fruity, that's what I was saying. Tootie Fruity, that is... Uh, and uh, he, there was a rap on the window from mm. a police officer. Yeah. And he was charged, you know, charged with... You know, savouring the fruits of love in public. Being lewd but, and naughty. But one yeah. of a better phrase, he got off because the windows had been so steamed up that the, the public could not have actually been outraged by his uh, love savouring. For his uh, licentious behaviour. Indeed. Shall we say, hey, who are you? What do uh, you do? I'm, I'm Pat Nurse. Yes. Uh, I am the creative director of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, which oh. is normally oh. rambunctious. Shangalang Hootenanny in mostly in March. Shangalang! Yeah. 250,000 of your nearest and dearest from Melbourne, Victoria, and the world beyond yes. getting together to eat and drink and, you know, clink a glass. Uh, currently, we can't get together by the thousand, mm. but we can get together by the thousand, if not. The hundreds of thousands, Cameron, yeah. Golden Tonsil Smith. Why the hell not? Because we're doing an online festival this week. So it's the Melbourne Food Internet. and Wine Festival, but not as we know it. To uh, the online edition. The online with on wine. Um, so first of all, ladies and gentlemen um, out there, and little kids too, um, you can participate in this great thing, a celebration of uh, food and wine and and we as Victorians. And uh, the idea is that you go online, it starts tomorrow, which is great. And um, how should people start to engage with this thing? Well, it's, it's a virtual festival, so with a small asterisk. So most of it is online. Okay, well, actually, um, here we go. Before we do this, just, uh, okay, go to your phone, go to the pad, go to the poot, whatever you've got, type in Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. You can join us along. Join us on this journey. That's it. Okay. That's it. Okay, they're doing Hop it. Hop onto Yep. Yep. Search engine of your choice. Our homepage is all about the online edition. Yeah. It's broken down day by day. It can tell you what's happening and when. And then the, most of the festival, whether it's talks or chats or um, interviews or things like that or demonstrations or, you know, a, a wander through someone's uh, farm or kitchen garden. Most of it's happening on Instagram Live. So if you're an old hand with Instagram, the social media Easy peasy. However, you might have seen it flash up in the top corner of your screen. So all you have to do is go, oh, I really want to see, you know, Mike Russell from Baker Blue talking, troubleshooting people's bread at 5 o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time on Monday. Uh-huh. All you have to do is hop onto your Instagram and it'll, it'll be flashing up in the corner if you follow... Um, the Melbourne Food and Wine Instagram account, which is Melb Food and Wine. So that's the first the, thing people... Or the Baker Blue account. Sorry to, to, to cut across you there, Pat, but that's the first thing people have to do. Um, follow uh, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. That would be a, a good thing. Tick. Um, and there are some outrageously good things. Um, can I do my Julie Andrews just very, very quickly? Well, I, I might just jump in, Cam, and say Please, you don't even, you, just so you don't think it's a, us trying to up our Instagram numbers, you don't even need to follow Melbourne Food and Wine Festival on Instagram oh, okay. or, in fact, use Instagram mm. um, 
it, it'll be coming at you through Instagram, but you don't have to have the app or use it. You can watch it on your desktop. So you just hop onto Instagram.com and find Melbourne Food and Wine there, and you can anytime we're having a live session that'll come up on that account. Okay. So okay. you can enjoy this on your desktop without joining our merry band. Of course, join our merry band because it's merry. But um, if not, uh, hop on to Instagram.com forward slash Melbourne Food uh, Melb Food and Wine. There you have it. Yeah, nice, nice one. Uh, now, what have we, we got, got? Things, Cam. We got things. Oh, you got so much things. It's sort of hard There's a to. Lot going on. We got about. We got five or six minutes to talk about these things. Um, there's. There's a couple things um, I'm I'm dying to see. I'm dying to see Dan Hunter because um, I've missed chatting with him. I sort of asked him a few weeks ago whether he wanted to uh, come on air, but he's been kind of busy, you know, just keeping the business afloat. Um, but we're going to see Dan Hunter in the garden, which will be great. In the farm. From Bray farm. in Birigawa. So, yeah, acres and acres of uh, heirlooms. Serious production. This is a you know an agricultural project that goes beyond you know snipping some pretty herbs and some flowers onto the plate as a garnish. You know this is a restaurant that is making a serious <laughs> tilt at self sufficiency. They yeah. they you know they grow the flowers and the heirlooms and the kind of sexy plate dangles like that, but they also mm. grow the workhorses, Cam, the, the, the oil, the grain, Ooh. the stuff that really makes makes a difference. The grain for um, the bread. So yeah, you'll be you'll be wandering the paddocks and the acreage with Dan Hunt himself in real time. Oh, I love that. And, you know, some people think that, um, you know, the MCG is is hallowed ground in this city. I would put to you, Pat Nurse, that the cube at Loon is hallowed ground. It's the home of Australian football. I mean, you might know it as a place where croissants are made, but it really is the beating heart of uh, the Australian Football League. Um, no. No, you're getting it mixed up there, buddy. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> um, as one of the many uh, behind-the-scenes things we're doing, like the wander through the Bray Farm, um, yes. Kate Reed, the co-founder of Loon Croissant, is taking us, yeah, as you say, inside the glass cube. So <sighs> anything you've ever wondered about Loon Croissantry but were too busy queuing to ask, yeah. Kate will answer. And I guess that's one of the cool things about using... Uh, the Instagram Live and the Zoom as our platforms for this festival. You can tag us on social media and ask us stuff that you want to hear from your food heroes now, mm. or you can do it in real time while we're doing it. And uh, me or Anthea Lucas Bosher or Emma Brini, any of my colleagues from Melbourne Food Wine Festival who will be hosting these sessions, we'll see your questions and we will answer them, Cam. Oh, my God. No, I, I am. I'm really looking forward to... Uh, to that one, I'd love for you to tell me some of your favourite things as well. But um, um, there's also some really amazing offers that um, are happening. Uh, there was one that just particularly caught my mind, and maybe because I've been in a bit of a martini rut, it has to be said in the last <laughs> week or so, um, is the fact that Starwood Whiskey. Um, have got a great offer that if you go to their site, which is on the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival thing, you can get a martini. Um, oh, sorry, not martini. I'm, I'm obsessed with these things. Cocktail shakers and uh, and jiggers if you buy a bottle of booze, which is pretty good. It's yeah, just one, and, uh, it's just one we're thing. We're actually doing drinks with them every day as well. So 
ahead of our five o'clock slot, there'll be someone from Starwood joining us at 10 minutes to five every day, um, just doing a simple, easy sundowner. So if you want to mix up your isolation cocktail game at home, and who doesn't? Maybe if you're stuck in a martini rut. Yeah. Um, join us any day this week. If you like your waters strong, uh, Michael Madrison from the Everly is also joining us on That'll be uh, good. Saturday afternoon. We're going to be talking drinks. Mm. Um, and if you are, I mean, the cool thing about this festival is that being online is that you can enjoy it anywhere in the world. But if you are one of the fortunate few to live in the city of Melbourne, mm. um, you can in also enjoy this stuff in 3D IRL. So there's some real-life stuff that you can still do safely and, you know, uh, COVID sensibly. So yes. um, Michael and the crew at the Everly will be doing a special the day of his talk, sending out hot buttered rum, freshly buttered and hot, uh, to order to drink along with us while we're doing our chat. Um, all week, Kate Reed and the Loon Gang are doing hits from the hits, the, from, the past. hits from the Loon archives. Yeah, yeah. So she'll be doing the Macasaka, which is a macadamia uh, croissant mix-up caper. Oh, thank um, you I'm for explaining that, Pat. Yes. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm particularly excited about um, the Bar Saracen. Uh, right in know? front of me, right open here now, because I wanted to mention it plays the hits of Greg Malouf. Boom. How good. So Tom, Tom Serafian, uh, the chef at uh, Bar Saracen, has got Brooke Payne, former head chef of MoMA, on board, and yeah. Brooke and Tom have the blessing of the mighty Greg Maloof. The mighty Greg. Cook some of his dishes from MoMA. So whether you are someone who's a you know decades-long dyed-in-the-wool fan of um, the godfather of modern Middle Eastern cooking. Correct, and, um, and responsible Luke. for the Maloof diaspora, it has to be exactly. said. Exactly. Yep. Or maybe you're someone who's, you know, maybe born at the wrong time or just weren't in the right place at the right time. You've heard about this Greg Maloof, but you never got to Momo. Mm. Now's your chance. There we go. Come on. It's uh, it's all good. Uh, oh, and also I would be, be remiss not to do a touch of just self-promotion here in the fact that um, I am part of this too. And Wednesday night, I'm very much looking forward to uh, bringing back the Builder's Arms food quiz. Woohoo! Boom! Technically, technically, the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival team is the uh, reigning champion at oh, the right. Builders Arms in person, but you know we're going to just put that aside because it wouldn't be fair for us to compete in this one. But I will be there. You uh, won. You won favorite. one time. What are you talking about? But that. But it was the last one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and also, it has to be um, said that the Builders Arms is doing an awesome sounding dinner for only twenty seven bucks, which yeah, sounds good. Cool. So you can you can join in just and do the trivia for free and just play along just because you love Cam or if you want the full immersive experience you can get a pub meal and drink specials from the builders to play along with which well, is, is I think it'll be a lot of fun. It ain't going to be just me. It's going to be my uh, fabulous offsider, the uh, the man who's in charge of everything on the floor of the builders' arms, Pete Baker, and uh, yeah, we're gonna ha we're gonna have fun. We're can we expect the usual freewheeling, multi-sensory extravaganza that characterises your running of the, the Builders Trivia Cam? Yeah, I think we're, we're doing. A, we're going to be doing a pasta challenge for one, which will be interesting, and that's the the cool thing. But I don't want to labour too much on just the event that I do. I want to first of all say, in conclusion, congratulations on 
Well, it's the word of the year, but you've managed to embrace it and work on it. It's been an amazing pivot that you guys pirouette. have done. A pirouette. So um, we you... have to quickly sneak in a plug for the fact that Ian Ling, who was your guest mere moments ago, yeah, you know, in in while he's doing all this great charitable stuff, is also somehow finding the time to do a pop up grocer with Michael Ryan coming down from Beechworth. Michael Ryan from Providence. Oh, on Tuesday. We've, so, we've set him free from Beechworth. God, he'll be happy to get out of there, I would imagine. Such incredible stuff, like all this incredible, like, uh, you know, chestnut jam, some crazy yuzu stuff, some crazy nori stuff, all of that mashup of Japanese culture and North High Country Victorian goodness that you know and love from Michael Ryan without mm. any of the time commitment of driving to Beechworth. You just have to drive to Carlton on Tuesday. How good is that? Or the helicopter ride if we're uh, of a certain type of person. Exactly. Michael Harden. Yeah, the helicopter we're ride yeah. to Carlton. Michael yeah. Harden. <laughs> Michael Harden. Helicopter. Um, great work. Congratulations to you and all the crew. Look forward to seeing you at the end of it for uh, a proper drink. Go online, have a look, participate. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see you there. Brilliant. Pat, you can put your pants back on. Love you, Cam. See ya. Love your guts. Bye, buddy. Scott McKinnon, g'day. How are you, Cam? Better for hearing your voice, although uh, uh, there's one thing that where your website doesn't match up with the reality of the person in the fact that uh, you are without a moustache on your website. I am, I am. That's, uh, we'll have to colour it in. Can you do that in Photoshop? <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, no other little caricatures people would do on the photo as well, I hope. Yeah, but no, no. Um, <laughs> first of all, I, I miss you. The fact is that last Sunday we should have been together at the Arbury uh, for Good Beer Week doing Good Beer Kitchen, which is um, a bit of a shame that we're not. It is, it is. It's, uh, that would have been our first anniversary, Cam. I uh, know. Is that paper? I think it's a paper anniversary. <laughs> Um, yes, it is, but we, uh, we had an awesome time last time, and I, was, um, uh, I, I loved your beer. Um, I loved your beer geekery because you wanted to go, you want to talk about porter? I can talk about porter. You want to talk about stout? I know all about it. I can do anything you want, man, because this is a bit of a passion, isn't it? Uh, it is. It is. Uh, passion and, yeah, I think an area that uh, we can nerd out for days on, but we probably don't want to bore people. Too much, but uh, how, how about uh, the uh, how, the genesis of the name Wolf in the Willows? Because it's an awesome, awesome name. How did that come about, and what does it mean? Oh well, being a bit of a history nerd myself, uh, Cam, we wanted to have a name that actually had a little bit of a throwback to some of the the uh, roots of brewing. So, Wolf of the Willows is actually uh, the English translation for the Latin phrase for hops which is uh, lupus salictarius. So uh, uh, a little bit of a, uh, a name that's yeah, basically related to the main botanical in, in most forms of beer. Yeah, especially if you talk to, listen to those Germans where they say we only allow three things, <laughs> right? They do, they do, so very strictly. And, uh, yeah, actually, Germans, uh, yeah. well, the Australian government's the same. You've got to have hops in beer to uh, have excise laws be applicable. 
Ah, okay, well, that's yeah, a very important part of beer. Very important part. <laughs> Especially of to the Australian government, as they found all that money in the back of the couch that we were speaking of before <laughs> in the hour. Um, but uh, you have got your place down there in what is it, De Havilland Street in Mordialic? Is that right? De Havilland Road, Mordialic. De Havilland Road. Uh, sorry, literally in the flight path of uh, Moorabbin Airport. Awesome. So, bit, bit of. Uh, Entertainment flying through the skies as uh, uh, we work away at the moment, but hopefully people can come down and enjoy a beer and in the not-too-distant future and do the same. Well, we'll see what Daniel Andrews says uh, tomorrow because you never know, you might be able to um, get it open and um, get some people in the place, but as well as making really, really great, interesting beers... We thought we'd just very, very quickly just riff on it in the, I don't know, we've only got about seven or eight minutes left for the show, um, talking about beer and food and and how we can combine them. Well, I think that's always been a big passion of ours, particularly, yeah, Sunday Arvo's, sitting at home. Mm. Good excuse to actually enjoy a couple of beers yourself and uh, you can cook with them at the same time. So, and, and add um, some to the pot. I mean, that's that's correct. Just to, uh, just to make sure that we're actually doing it all for you know scientific merit rather than just consuming alcohol, <laughs> just, of course. But, just uh, just ru- rubbing cans into your head. Yes, I understand that. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was sort of wondering and, and riffing on the what are the the great sort of beer and food propositions, and there was one that we sort of. I don't know, seemed to peak in maybe the early 2000s and that was what we call, in polite company, beer can chicken. (laughs) The uh, beer can chicken can have a rather disturbing visual if people know what it actually is, but uh, it's all for ensuring that the chicken is, uh, and this is a terrible word, but as moist as possible. Yes. And... uh, uh, basically involves shoving a can of beer up the uh, the rear end of a chicken and well, stuffing it with herbs first, of course, and uh, then... Uh, up the derriere, shall we say. With French, it makes it sound so much nicer. Yeah, you're a much more educated man than I am, Cam, so... Oh, I, ju- uh, I just I'll... knew a French word, that's all. No, we're, we're, mm-hmm. probably, we're probably about on the same par, my friend. <laughs> um, but the great thing is that this forms uh, an unlikely tripod, shall we say, uh, with the uh, with the chicken that is uh, now encased in a... It should be in a kettle barbecue because it should be smoked as well, shouldn't it? That's the best way to do yeah. it, over obviously cooking... Well, basically anything over coals rather than actually over gas always turns out better and keeps the moisture in there. But uh, the the old beer can chicken does have a fair bit of spectacle to it as well as being pretty easy and, and damn tasty. So, uh, the we, festival uh, of the mounting of the can as we have the special music when that happens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't really do that. But yeah, it's a, it's an awesome dish. But what about some other ones that um, that are your sort of go tos other than the beer can chicken? Which I must say that if you go to Wolf in the Willows Brewery website, you'll see an awesome recipe for that there. So if you haven't tried it, go and have a look at that. But what are some of the other ones, buddy? Uh, well, look any any dark beer that you've got, mm. any slow cooking or braising that you do. It's pretty simple. Just 
obviously put in as much or as little beer as you like and a good alternative to using red wine. Yep. Because simply the sugars in the beer will actually uh, reduce down and can give a you know, really good sticky consistency. Like oh. a, a, yeah, a really easy one is like baby back ribs uh, in a foil container or a can of dark beer over the top of it, yeah. foil, chuck them on the barbecue and it basically steams the ribs in the uh, in the beer and then when you when they're actually cooked then chuck them on the barbecue and oh, finish crisp them off. Them up. Yeah, and then baste them with whatever beer's left in the bottom and a little bit of garlic and uh, yeah, a bit of vegeta and really simple, really easy to do. That sounds awesome. Oh. Okay. And then there's always um a, a Guinness pie, which is um probably one that's in that sort of same mold. Yeah, just uh, same thing, just braising the meat in the in the actual beer and allowing it redu- to reduce down all the juices and fats from the meat, just all combining and just really, yeah, creating the gravy without having to put any fillers in it, like flour or like, and yeah, really simple sort of stuff. Um, and- yeah, on, on our on our website, there's a bunch of actual videos that we've done as well, and this was all uh, part of. It's actually the last day of Melbourne Good Beer Week today, so much in line with the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. Yep. Melbourne Good Beer Week is basically a celebration of yeah all things uh, related to you know handcrafted proper beer, and uh, we done a series of videos with a bunch of the chefs that we were supposed to be doing real live events with, and just having them cook in their their kitchens at home. So pretty simple. How did we find that? Process. Yeah, it was good. It was a really cool experience, actually. Just a, a good way to do something together, constructive, and uh, kind of get people to you know think about you know more positive things. And obviously, uh, <laughs> everyone's probably enjoying a bit of comfort food at home at the moment, and probably a couple of beers as well. So, yeah, um, yeah good way to yeah just kind of reach out and talk about everything other than COVID, so... Yeah, which is a good idea, and, um, yeah, well, well, I know, we've been sort of talking about flattening the curve. My God, you should see my uh, my waistline needs a little (laughs) bit of flattening at the moment, believe me. Um, But uh, other things to think of, um, beer and food. Um, Well, there's beer batter, obviously. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. that's an easy one. Guinness gingerbread. That's one I haven't done. I've but, uh, seen that. I, me too. We, we'll, maybe we'll have to do that um, virtually together in the next couple of weeks when we can compare. Um, that is supposed to be awesome. Um, a stout beer and a chocolate tort works really, really well. Red ales to complement a dessert with toffee flavours, apparently. Yep. Yep. So the, so the old sort of cut, contrast and complement kind of principles all applying there. So, yeah, just thinking about... You know, like a, a great one is always um, you know, sour beer with certain cheeses. So some of your, your heavy blue cheeses and then cut yep. with a with a nice dry kind of acidic sour beer. So um, hey, the world, like that. The world's our oyster. It really, really that, is. That, that it is. That it is. Scott <laughs> McKinnon, um, missed you last week. Um, delighted that you were able to uh, come on the show. Uh, Wolf in the Willows is the name of the brewery. And uh, don't forget to go to the website because there's lots of recipes and things like that. And it is also the last day of Good Beer Week, so you can go and avail yourself to what's going on with that too. 
Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 